0: morning. Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for everyone who's coming on the live and grateful that we're giving this opportunity to be able to share some word with you in spirit and in truth. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day in the name of the Lord. Got a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to start, Um, uh, well, before we start there. We're going to be talking about a jogger who filmed himself um, you know, unaliving a person um, um, later, um, late last week um, and some of the ramifications of um, not just you know doing heinous things but doing things to be seen. Uh, we're going to also be talking about hiding who we really are in an attempt to keep someone in our lives and what happens when we choose to not be transparent, honest, and vulnerable in our relationships. Um, a millionaire left a fortune to his hometown and we're going to talk about how um, he was inspired to do so um, and how uh, it's going to impact his town ta- his hometown uh, as he's leaving these millions to them uh, but we're going to start our conversation today by starting a series entitled Shadows of the Cross and we're going to take a deep dive into the book of Hebrews to understand the parallels between Old Testament um, liturgy Old Testament um 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 prophecy, old testament, uh temple, templar worship and things of that nature, and how all those things are a shadow of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, recognize the shadows in our own lives that are pointing us to the savior. Um so grateful for this opportunity to be able to um just talk with you guys today. If you have any questions, comments or concerns, feel free to hit me in the comment box below. Toward the end of the show, any question that you have, I'll try to get through as many questions as I can toward the end. But you got to hold on tight for the, to the end of the show before I answer any questions that you put in that comment box. But trust me, I will answer every question that you put in the box. If I don't answer, answer it today, I got a running list. I will start off with your question on the next day. So again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to hit that comment box below. I want to thank you already for the gifts that we received today. I tell everybody I don't take any of the money that you guys give. I got my own job, pay my own bills, make my own money. So any money that you do give, it goes straight toward the um the the True Gospel um True Gospel Ministry to keep the websites up and the subscriptions on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Good morning, D Mel. Good to see you this morning. I hope you're having a fantastic day. Hit me up in the um. In the DMs and let me know how you're feeling today. Um, and so, again, uh, we're going to start off with a word of prayer and then we're going to jump right into our Sad- Shadows of the Cross series. Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. Lord God, we're thankful that you think it not robbery to give us this opportunity to worship you in spirit and truth on this morning. Lord God, let this show be none of me and all of you. Every word that's said, every prayer that's prayed, every um, story that's told. Lord God, let it be um, a testament to the greatness and supremacy of who you are. Lord God, again, let it not be any of me. Let it be all of you. Uh, say something to the people today that's going to edify the souls of the saints. Say something today that will touch the hearts of those who don't believe in you, that they may grow to grow curious about you, may grow to want to know you more as you're wooing their hearts closer to you. For we know Lord God, that we cannot do anything when it comes to having a walk with you without you. For salvation is a gift. Faith is a gift. It's not something we can earn. It's not something that we can accumulate. Not something that we can rise to. But Lord God, it's something that you graciously give to those who you love. And so we're grateful. And we, and we thank Jesus Christ for making all this possible. For, giving, for living the life we couldn't live. Dying the death that we deserved rising again with our power, ascending into heaven, and coming back to get us one day. And in doing so, securing our righteousness so that we may be called the righteousness of God and have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so, God, we're just thankful, and we give your name, all praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, so, again, we're starting a series um, entitled Shadows of the Cross, um, and essentially just going through the book of Hebrews. Um, and looking at how the book of Hebrews reminds us as the people of God that are that everything in the scriptures is a reflection and a and a pointer to Jesus Christ. Everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we are a part of, everything that we talk about, live, breathe, through these scriptures, through biblical history, everything is a big, big um arrow that's pointing to Jesus Christ. And so so I want to spend some time in the book of Hebrews. I've been spending some personal time in the book of Hebrews for the past couple of months um, and didn't know what God wanted to do um, with it outside of just edifying my soul. And he finally gave me permission, gave me the green light and said, you know, teach it to to the people. And so here we are now um, sharing uh, what God has given to me uh, with you guys on today um, as we're talking about Shadows of the Cross. Um, we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 4, but then our, our, our pivot point is going to be in the book of Luke on this morning. Um, let see. Hebrews. Usually have my marker there. But here we go. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. When we go to the book of um, Luke, um, chapter um, chapter twenty, I think it's twenty four. We see that he had a conversation with some of his with some of the, with two of his disciples, and these two disciples. Um, this is after he had died, risen again. Um, but a lot of people still were having a hard time believing that Jesus was risen from the dead' because they saw this man get crucified and they saw him get buried, saw him in the tomb they but they put the stone on the tomb, and it's like nah he it's done it's over with like, this whole movement whole Jesus thing is done like I don't know what we're gonna do now, and so luke chapter twenty four starting at verse thirteen. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emanus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened, um, and they were talking, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Again, this is why we constantly say to unbelievers, unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are not going to understand the things that are under that are meant to be understood because the scales got to be removed from your eyes. This right here is prime example. These boys walked with Jesus his whole ministry and yet they did not recognize him when he was standing right next to next to them, but they didn't recognize him because he made it so. He did not want them to know who he was until he finished talking with them and the scales were removed from their eyes. So again, we say this all the time, unless you have a relationship with the Lord, you're not going to understand the things that we talk about, and God's got to do that work. So, like I tell my people all the time or tell God's people all the time, don't get in arguments with unbelievers because at the end of the day, they don't have a relationship with Jesus, so arguing with them for what it's not going it's not going to amount to anything because they don't have a walk with God, they haven't been shown who He is by His power and His might. We can show it to them until we're blue in the face. They can know scriptures better than us, better than half the people in the world combined, and still miss Jesus. But at any rate, um, he said to them, verse 17, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened here in these um, days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let's say that again. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Himself. We've talked, um, we've talked uh, very extensively about the fact that we have to have a relationship with the Lord in order to understand what the Lord wants us to know. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. These things have to be spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned. You can have all the knowledge of the scriptures you want, but at the end of the day, there's a distinct difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Matter of fact, give me one second. I was just reading yesterday out of this book called Delighting in God by A.W. Tozer. And I know the camera's backward, so I have to flip it. Matter of fact, let me go ahead and flip it now and get it out of the way. There we go. This book, Delighting in God by A.W. Tozer. And there was a bar that he wrote. On page 114, he said, We must keep one thing in mind. All I say is about God. All I say about God is still not God. Because theology, at its finest moment, can do no more than tell us about God. To know about God and to know God are two absolutely different things. Most people confuse knowing about God with knowing God. And this, in my opinion, is at the core of many of our problems in the evangelical church today. Let me say that if you ever know God, you are going to have to enter in by the new birth, by the illumination of the Holy Spirit, and by the revelation of the Spirit. There must be revelation and illumination. You have to have truth revealed to you. But until there is illumination of that truth, it does not do you any good. And only the Holy Spirit can make us know God. That is why when we speak of the Holy Spirit, we ought not to speak apologetically. And nobody ought to be ashamed to preach about the Holy Spirit or be afraid to talk about him for the reason For the reason that only he can make us know. Again, what we know about God, when we get on our platforms and we're talking about Jesus with you guys, these things are being spiritually discerned. This isn't head knowledge. This isn't things that, you know, we're just spouting off trying to argue and win points. These are things that have been spiritually revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Again, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, and let me turn there really quickly. Let's say really quickly, and then I'm taking my time turning there. As it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things... And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Furthermore, if we look at the book of John, and look at John chapter 14, Jesus himself said, we are going to need the Holy Spirit in order to understand what Jesus has said, what Jesus has done, and everything else in between. He says, In verse 25 of John chapter 14, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so when we're told, what does all this have to do with the book of Hebrews? It's probably the question everybody's asking. What does it have to do with the book of Hebrews? The book of Hebrews is a reminder that all of scripture and all of biblical history is a shadow of Jesus. Let me say it again. The book of Hebrews is a reminder that all of scripture and all of biblical history is a shadow of Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is plastered all over the scriptures. So we point to 1 Corinthians often because without the help of the Spirit, we cannot see the scriptures for what they for what they are. Because the scriptures are less about us and more about Jesus. They're less about us and more about Jesus. Again, we need the Holy Spirit In order to see who Jesus is what he has accomplished and what that means for us as the people that he has created and given souls to so in order to understand the author of Hebrews we must first remember that the scriptures cannot mean for us now what they did not mean for them back then again The scriptures cannot mean for us now what it did not mean for them back then. A lot of us get into a lot of trouble when it comes to trying to interpret the text because we're looking at it through our own lenses. We're acting as if these books were written back in 1955 or back in 1746 or even, dare I say, 2004, when these scriptures were written in a different time and meant different things for those people back then have very different cultural backgrounds, different cultural contexts. And so we have to be careful that we're not bringing our own desires or interests or anything into reading and trying to apply these texts. The scriptures cannot mean for us now what they did not mean for them back then. That's point number one. Point number two is that Jesus Supersedes denomination, which for some they ripped the scriptures out of context to construct rules of practice and and um and mandated them for all. What are we saying because the in the book of Hebrews, it goes all throughout old testament history, all throughout um Old Testament liturgy, and says everything that we did back then. Everything that our culture, everything that Jewish culture did back then were all pointers to Jesus. Everything that we did was a reminder of who Jesus is. Everything was a pointer to what Jesus was getting ready to do. And so everything that we see throughout history, everything we saw throughout or throughout our heroes, everything we saw through the worship in in the tabernacle worship system, everything we did was a pointer To who was coming everything was a reminder of who was coming and so we got to be careful that we're not like the Pharisees and the Sadducees who will now take pieces of the scripture and pieces of text in order to codify a a method of worship and then mandate that everybody does this that everybody be this way because everything from Genesis to Revelation points to the Savior points to the cross Points to Jesus. Point number three, everything, everything is a metaphor for Jesus. If we just know how to look, just as Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so to understand that, to understand what we mean by that, we turn to, let's see, which one is it? We um, return first to Romans chapter 1. Romans, my favorite, my favorite book in the Bible. Starting at verse number 16. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Furthermore, if we go to Colossians chapter 1, Paul says these words to us here. Jesus in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Therefore, if we go then to Philippians chapter 2, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, to the glory of God the Father. And so, again, what does all this have to do with the book of Hebrews? Because the the book of Hebrews shows us that everything that we see throughout biblical history is a shadow of Christ. If, if, if Christ isn't there in terms of like Jesus was here and did this, everything that's happening in biblical history is a shadow of Jesus. Everything is pointing to the Savior. Which is why we find the words in Hebrews chapter 1, starting at ver- starting with, um, starting at verse number 1, After the book of Titus, I said after the book of Titus, try this again, and after the book of Philemon, verse number one, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And so right off the rip, the author of Hebrews, who some say is Paul, but there's no verification of that, but the author of Hebrews makes it known that once upon a time, we listened to the prophets of old who told us of a day that was coming, and we followed them, we followed their precepts, we followed their rules, we followed their practices, we followed everything that they were saying because they were the mouthpieces of God. But now, Jesus has arrived. Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again, he ascended, and we wait for him to come back. So now, all of the prophets who spoke of him, now that he's come, we follow not the prophets, but we follow him. We're not following the prophets. We're following him. Now this is important because for many of us, we as the people of God have a tendency to follow people long before we'll follow Jesus Christ. We'll follow a person rather than follow Jesus. I'm talking to unbelievers and believers for the unbelievers we, we, we don't want to follow somebody we can't see, some fairy tale, you know, some mystical person, you know, something that's up in the sky. We would rather follow somebody that we can see, somebody we can tangibly touch, someone that we have access to. And so we'll follow celebrities. We'll follow, you know, scholars, you know, people who've written books. We'll follow our favorite, you know, um, fantasy authors. You know, we'll follow our favorite musicians, basketball players, football players. We'll, we'll follow, you know, our actors and actresses. Listen to every word that they say. We'll listen to our husbands, our wives. We'll listen to our children. Listen to our best friends. You know, we'll listen to relationship advice on TikTok. We'll listen to all these other people and follow them. Because we can see them. We can touch them. You know, we, 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 we love what they have to say. And, and so we would follow them and anything that they have to say. We'll follow our po- politicians. One day they're uh, and they're anti this, and the next day they're for it. And whatever wherever the wind blows on our favorite news channel, that's the direction we're going in. So if they say one day we want to we want Hunter Biden to be put on the trial and prosecuted, but then the very next, the soon as he says, okay, put me on the stand. They're now screaming, "Don't put them on the stand! Don't put them on the stand!" Now we we just, we, we we switching like the wind. Then y'all just say y'all wanted him on the stand. Now that he's saying he gonna get on the stand. What you, y'all saying? No, like what happened? What happened? But now we you know. But whatever they say, and but, but that's us. We'll follow because it's tangible, speaking to the flesh, speaking to the senses, speaking to our feelings, speaking to our thoughts. But us believers ain't no different because we'll listen to our favorite preachers and our favorite pastors. And we'll follow to every word. You got preachers and pastors who are probably pre- preaching the same truth that the celebrity pastors are preaching. But because they're not the celebrity pastor, we're not going to listen to them. But we're going to listen to our celebrity pastor. Or we won't listen to any other pastor preach except the pastor that we, att- that we, that we, that we attend to. Like We'll only listen to him. We'll only listen to her. I'm not listening to anybody else. And as a result of that, our tendency is to follow people rather than follow Jesus. And we, the people of God, have to be careful that we're not following after people because people are fickle. People make mistakes. People fall short. People may give us word that isn't gospel-centered, but if we're believing so strongly in them, that they're giving us the word, then we'll find ourselves falling in a different space, as it says, and I think in Second Peter, where they'll lead us astray, and we don't even realize it because we're just we're hanging on every word that they preach. He tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, we listen to the prophets because the prophets were the mouthpiece of God, but now that Jesus has come, we're not following him we're now following Jesus because Jesus is literally the mouthpiece of God by virtue of being God the Son. Having died the death that we deserve, conquered hell, and rising again, he has been bestowed a name that is above every name, that every knee should bow, whether it be on earth, in heaven, under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the to the glory of God the Father. He has been bestowed that name. So we no longer we no longer follow after men. We no longer follow the words of and the whims of men. Rather, we follow the true and living God. Because of and, and we do so not just because of what he did, but because of who he is. But because of what he did, it further cements. His preeminence. His preeminence is eternally secured. Whether we want to believe in him or not, we his his again his preeminence is eternally secure. And so we tell so he tells us again in Hebrews chapter one. Um, in the last days he spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. People often ask the question who is Jesus or who is God? We all look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the exact imprint, the exact DNA. Like if you put your thumbprint, he puts his thumbprint, if God were to put his thumbprint down. Jesus would be the imprint. And Jesus was right there in the beginning, and he's right there now, seated at his right hand. The exact divine nature of God is encapsulated in Jesus Christ. It is encapsulated in the cross. It is encapsulated in Jesus. And as a result, he says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. When it says in Genesis 1, well, not Genesis, but John, well, I mean Genesis 2, but John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When it says in Colossians, again, all things are being held together by Jesus. He is, the, again, the, the exact imprint of God's nature, and he upholds the universe by the Word of his power. That is the God that we worship. And it, and, it, and it still doesn't truly capture the fullness of who Jesus is. And so, again, it says that we are, that because Jesus is the exact imprint, the exact thumbprint, if we want to know who God is, all we got to do is look to Jesus. All we got to do is look to the cross. All we got to do is look to God, look to, look to Christ and see everything that God is, Christ is. Everything that Christ is, God is. And he gives us the Holy Spirit, which allows us to rightly discern, and these things be revealed to us through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Furthermore, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to see because, again, it's God, the Son, having preeminence. But in his preeminence, still, you know, knowing that at the end of the day, we got the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in communion with one another. And in being in communion with one another, we are, you know, ushering in the entire universe being upheld by our righteous hand. We as the believers in God can take comfort in the fact that we no longer have to look to the prophets, but we can look to Jesus himself, that the Holy Spirit lives in us and authenticates our worship, authenticates our devotion, authenticates our divine relationship with him authenticates our soul's entry into the kingdom and we can live in the kingdom now in in light of the kingdom to come. And in that, it gives us the ability to be able to look to Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith and, which is the whole point of the scriptures, the whole point of the scriptures, we can see Jesus from Genesis through Revelation which the whole point of the book of Hebrews. We can see Jesus from Genesis through Revelation. For again, as it says in the first two verses, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So we... The people of God have been given a Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is ushering us into all truth. And in ushering us into all truth, he shows us who he is from Genesis through Revelation. This book, this book is a manifesto of Jesus from Genesis through Revelation. And as we unpack the book of Hebrews for the next couple of weeks, we will see time after time after time, the author of Hebrews will show us when you look to Abraham and what Abraham did, what Abraham did, that's a shadow of Jesus. When you look to Moses and what Moses did, it's a shadow of Jesus. When you look to Daniel in the lion's den, it's a shadow of Jesus. If you look to Rahab when she hid the spies, it's a shadow of Jesus. When you look to David and when he killed Goliath, it's a shadow of Jesus. When you look to Joseph and when he was in prison, it was a shadow of Jesus. When you look to Solomon and all his splendor and glory, it's a shadow of Jesus. When you look to Joshua and how he conquered the promised land, it's a shadow of Jesus. You look to Samson and his you know, um, hard-headed self, he's a shadow of Jesus. On repeat, that is the nature of the scriptures. Everything is a shadow of Jesus, which is why we always say, if you're going to preach, preach Jesus, because all of this, you can find Jesus everywhere in these scriptures. If you just know how to look and we need the Holy Spirit to give us the spiritual eye to see what we need to see so that we know that Jesus is there. So again, as I said before, these scriptures cannot mean for us what they did not mean for them. And so if you find yourself digging into the scriptures, trying to find you in the scriptures, you're wasting your time. Because scriptures ain't about you. The scriptures are about Jesus. Now, we can apply the lessons of Jesus and the lessons that we get through these scriptures to us and to our lives, but we can't make these scriptures mean what we want them to mean. They mean what they mean on their own. And we take those truths and apply them to our lives as the Holy Spirit gives us, gives us um, the reminders and shows us what it is that we are meant to be and what we're meant to do as we're moving forward in who he would have us to be. And so again, these scriptures cannot mean for us, What they did not mean for them. Because everything in the scriptures is a shadow, a shadow of Jesus Christ from Genesis through Revelation. From Genesis through Revelation. And as we look to Jesus being the author and the finisher of our faith, we can then apply these eternal truths to us because we are eternal souls. And the only thing that can solve an eternal problem is an eternal solution. So we look to Jesus to be the solution for us. And in being the solution for us, we can then apply these scriptures appropriately. So as we look through the next, again, couple of weeks, as we go through the series in the book of Hebrews and basically just go, just go deep diving into Hebrews, let us keep this in mind. Everything about your Bible, everything about your Bible is about Jesus. Everything about biblical history is about Jesus. Everything that the prophets said is about Jesus. Everything about the Levitical priesthood is about Jesus. Everything about tabernacle worship is about Jesus. Every sacrifice, every offering is about Jesus. Every hero of the scriptures is about Jesus. And as the book of Hebrews takes us through this, we are going to see the shadows of the cross. And it should make our heart rejoice that all throughout history, Jesus was always in the picture. That nothing in this world caught God off guard. Jesus was always a part of the plan from the very beginning and even to now and and throughout eternity. So we can take comfort Now, as we read these words, God is going to remind us over and over and over again, I was always, always a part of the plan. Nothing caught me off guard. This was always what it was meant to be. And we can take comfort in that because we know that God was in the plan from Genesis through Revelation and beyond on to eternity. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly, thank you guys for the 2,500 likes that we've received today. Um, Thank you for every like, every comment, every follow, every share. If you've missed any part of this message or would like to hear our past episodes, feel free to stop by Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. You can listen to every show that we have done from inception to now. When we come back, we're going to talk about a California um, jogger who was charged with voluntary manslaughter after filming himself hurting um, um, fatally a homeless man. And we're going to talk about that and the implications that come from, you know, um, having such a heinous heart to where you want to record things like this on, on social media and things. Thank you so much for watching. We'll be right back in just a moment. True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, thank you so much for the 3,000 likes that we've received thus far. Keep those likes coming if you so desire. Um, but definitely just thank you for your presence on today and hope that we're um, say, sharing some good nuggets with you guys on this morning um, that'll edify your souls on today. Um, Let's see, last uh, Saturday, the 25th, the California Jargo charged with voluntary manslaughter after filming himself um, fatally wounding a homeless man. A south, south a Southern California man accused of shooting and um, fatally wounding a homeless man, he woke up for blocking a sidewalk, captured the shooting on video, according to Orange County District Attorney. Uh, Craig Elliott, 68, was jogging in the afternoon of September 28th with his two dogs in Garden Grove, California, when he encountered antonio garcia avalos 40 who was asleep in the middle of a sidewalk elliot who had a push cart with him used the cart to nudge avalos in an attempt to wake him up to get around him according to the release the sleeping man awoke and began yelling at elliot to get away from him elliot who was charged with felony voluntary manslaughter and felony enhancement of personal use of a firearm is accused of grabbing a handgun from his push cart um the district attorney said Elliot had acted had active concealed carry permit from the Orange County. Authorities said in the release that a video taken by Elliot shows Avalos standing up and throwing a shoe at Elliot, who then ducks to avoid the shoe. Seconds later, according to the release, the video shows Elliot shooting Avalos three times. Avalos later um, was unalive from his injuries. Um, the Garden Grove Police Department arrested Elliot on a warrant on November seventeenth and he was released after posting a one hundred thousand dollar bail on November twentieth. Elliot is scheduled to be arraigned on December fifteenth. He faces a maximum sentence of twenty one years in state prison, according to the district attorney. Um and so, you know it, it it's it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, you know to see things like this take place, you know, because I, um, you know, in the world that we live in today, more so than in any other generation, we, by virtue of having these cameras and having these smartphones, we, we feel emboldened. To act out. Um, I don't know whether he would have done the same thing had he not had his phone on him or what. I don't. I don't know. But it just seems like if you see a homeless person laying in the street, why not just walk around him? Like, what was going on in your heart space at that time where you felt this need to bump your cart into this man to get him to move? What was going on in your heart space at the time where you felt like you had to make your point that he needed to be off the street? And this man begs you, leave me alone. Like, just leave me alone. I ain't trying to bother nobody. I'm just leave me alone. And nah, you gonna move? However that however that be, however it went, and then you get your phone out. You get your phone out, and you start recording. Much like how most of us do in the world now. Everything's got to be an event. Everything's got to be televised. Everything's got to be broadcast. We gonna broadcast this too, so we get the phone out. And again, I didn't see the video, and I don't wanna see the video. It's probably just gonna make me madder. See this homeless person on the street. This is what's wrong with us now? I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm. Exa- I don't know what he said, but the man's like, "Leave me alone." Throws his shoe at him, try to get him to leave him alone. And while he's still filming, whips out the gun shoot this man three times. Again, the cruelty of shooting the man is bad enough. But you're filming yourself at the same time. To me, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. But that takes the heinousness of the issue to a whole nother level, to me. Because it seems like Everybody nowadays feels so emboldened to be who they want to be that they don't mind brandishing it and televising it for the people to see. Like they want so badly for their point to be heard and for someone to celebrate and champion them. This is why Romans is my favorite book because Romans just be like smack dab is in your face telling you that's exactly what I said was going to happen. Romans chapter 1 verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient, barren, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And it seems like in the world that we live in today, that's all we're living for. The approval of man our social media accounts and our tiktok pages and the things that we do are all in an attempt to get somebody to like what we're doing and to celebrate and champion us and like i said i've been there been a hypocrite of that you know i've even even in doing this now i have to always check my heart always check my heart to make sure that i'm not doing this for the applause of man i gotta always check that god check me and if i'm getting to that point remove me from the place so i can Devote myself back to you rather than devote myself to the show and, you know, and, and, and all those sort of things. And so, but it seems like that's all that we want to do is to get on platforms and and champion our hatred, our, lo- our loathings, our, you know, whatever it is that we feel, we want somebody else to feel it with us. We wanna build a community around how we feel about things. And in doing so, we get to the point where we're so emboldened. We're so emboldened to feel how we feel that we're willing to televise doing the most heinous of things. We're willing to get on our platforms and do heinous acts. And so now a man who was just trying to catch a nap or trying to or just sleep or whatever, now his life is gone because somebody was so angry, so bitter, so frustrated, so hurt, so torn up, all about the fact that this man is laying on the street, that rather than, I don't know, pick this man up, take him to a shelter, get him something to eat, Ask him how he's going. Give him a couple bucks, something. Instead, I'm gonna bump him with my car. Hey, get up! You're in the way. Let me get my phone out. See how he won't move? This was wrong with our country now, or whatever. And I'm gonna let him be known. Now nah, I'm gonna let it be known. And so again, you know. My heart goes out to both of them. For the one who lost his life because the man didn't do anything to deserve losing his life. But also for the one who committed the crime because what was going on in his heart? People often ask the question, what should we be praying for? That's one of them. That people will find peace in their souls. Because what was going on in this man's heart? To where a man on the street is bothering him to the point where he's got to whip out a gun and televise it. See, what's going on in that heart space? So we pray for him. That God reveal himself to him if he hasn't already done so. And help him to deal with the anger that he's got going on in his heart. This is why I tell us all the time, we all need Jesus. Jesus. We we're not we not here to to, to to say, you know, he deserves hell and all no, we all need Jesus, because I deserve hell too. Hey, right? we all need Jesus. Don't you know, tell him what's going on with us in our hearts. No matter what's go, what's going on in our head spaces, man. There's some things going on in us that only Jesus can get to, only Jesus can fix, only Jesus can cure. And so what's going on in here? I ask unbelievers all the time, you know, you know, what's going on in our heart spaces, in our head spaces so much so that we have the 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 wherewithal to even get on platforms like mine and, and spew the things that are being spewed sometimes. Because, dude, what's going on here? What's going on in here? To where you feel this emboldened to stand on your convictions knowing what this platform is about. But again, taking it beyond that, look at your own life and look at the things that are going on in your world and think about what's going on in in, in, in the space that you're in. What's going on in your heart space that at the slightest instance, it'll turn you. What was going on in David's heart space to where when he's not at war and he sees Bathsheba. All these wives he already got. But he saw Bathsheba. What was going on in his heart space at the time? I wish the scriptures could tell us that. They didn't tell us what was going on in his heart space at the time. That would be great if we knew. But what was going on in his heart space? What was, what, what What's going on in a lot of our heart spaces? To where... On the drop of a dime, we find ourselves doing things we wouldn't even think about doing and wondering how in the world did we get here? Furthermore, furthermore, does everything that we do have to be put on blast? Do we have to be in community all the time for everything? I said this before, you know, that part of one of the reasons why I had to take a break from the show was because I wasn't devoting enough of my own time for the Lord. You know, I'm doing the show for God, but I wasn't doing anything with God outside of the show. And I found myself slipping back into old old patterns of old where I'm doing this for the Lord, I'm doing this for the Lord, and my only devotion was doing the thing for the Lord. We have have a lot of people who devote themselves to God, but they devote themselves to God in conjunction with their platforms. And so what's supposed to be their quiet time between them and the Lord is now quiet time between them, the Lord, and their 3,000 followers. Their devotion time between them and the Lord is now their devotion time between them, the Lord, and their live feeds. What you're seeing here. What I'm hoping to be, what you're seeing here, is but a a taste of the relationship that I have with God. This is not my relationship with God. Our social media feeds should not be our relationship with God. It can be a component of it, but it shouldn't be it. I'm saying all that to say, how many of us are living our lives for the feeds? So much so that it emboldens us to continue living lives we know are contrary to how God would have us to live. Well, if they do it, I can do it too. If they live in it, I can live it too. And so we only see the 1%. But we want to be like the 1% so badly that we embolden ourselves to act like what we see. Not realizing that all we're seeing are highlight reels. All we're seeing are the best. All we're seeing are the, the flash and the glitter and the glitz. We don't see what it's taken For them to be where they are or the torture and torment that they're going through as a result of what they're doing. But because we want so badly to live for the camera. We're living so badly for the camera. That it emboldens us to do the unthinkable. I can imagine He may have been one of those people who have been, you know, talking about, you know, homeless folk and talking about being hurt by this and hurt by that and tired of people taking the country and all this other type of stuff. And so he finally decided to take matters into his own hands. For the gram. For the TikTok. For the Facebook. For the live feed. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Heaven and earth is going to pass away. Ego and pride is going to pass away fame and glory is gonna pass away we're popular today and the next somebody else is gonna come and take our place what does it profit a man to gain the entire world and lose his soul i often think about the um the um the former porn star Korn star, I'm trying to make sure I get my words right on please don't ban me't don't, don't, don't ban me TikTok, talk um, the former um corn star Mia Khalifa she had gotten on um somebody's news channel at one point and she was trying to talk about the things that mattered to her like she had matured, she's not in the game no more, and she was trying to use her using her platform to try to talk about things that matter. But all the hosts wanted to talk about was her past. All the hosts wanted to talk about was how did you do this, and when did you get into that, and how why did you decide to get out, and da 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 da. Do you ever miss it, da 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 da? And she said on one of her um, one of her feeds that you know I wish that people would see me as more than that, because I have a lot more to offer than just that. And yet. On her feed, you know, on her feeds even now, in order to keep the people that she has on her platform, she has to post something provocative in nature. Because now that she's in, now that this, this the only way to keep her likes up, the only way to keep the algorithm mentioning who she is, she's got to keep, she's got to stay in that game. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Ask yourself the question today. Are you so enamored and addicted to the numbers that you are willing to do more and more and more to keep the attention? Are you so steeped in your echo chamber that it's now emboldened you to say things that you shouldn't say, to feel things that you used to not feel, to act out in ways that you wouldn't normally act out in? Are you that emboldened by the echo chamber that you surround yourself with that nothing can change your mind, nothing can give you compassion? are you more about the issues than you are the people if that's you do a heart check especially if you're a believer because God and Jesus are more in the Holy Spirit are more interested in people than issues and rather than push your cart to get the man off the street maybe you put him up in a hotel for a few days maybe you get him in a, get, him to, get him into a restaurant you want to get him off the street get him off the street but then again what do i know you know I'm just a believer. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. we with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thank you for the 3,600 likes that we've received thus far. Go ahead and keep those likes coming up. Um, if you have missed any part of this message or would like to hear from our past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to every episode um, over and over again if you like, from inception to now when we come back, we're going to be talking about hiding who you really are to keep someone that you're in love with in the danger of not being fully known. We'll be right back in just a moment. Gospel Morning Show with your boy ADD right here on TikTok Live with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I was talking to a client yesterday during therapy, and the client was telling me um, that, you know, that he was going through an experience with his girlfriend uh, where he and his girlfriend had gotten together and everything was going real good for a time. But then come to find out, this girl had been, you know, not cheating on him per se, but had been very open, I guess you'll say, um, in her past with a lot of people that they were interacting with on a regular basis. A lot of her friends were actually her exes, and he didn't know that. And so he's hanging out with them and don't not thinking anything of it, but then he's looking through the phone, you know, and seeing random text messages from the same people that they're hanging out with and come to find out they've had past relations with each other. And it freaked him out. And he's like, I didn't know that you and Buddy had a thing. I didn't know that you and your bestie had a thing. I didn't know that, like, you got a lot of people around you that you've had past relations with. What's really going on here? And the longer they were together, the more people come, started coming out the woodwork. And it freaked him out because he's like, dude, so, what do you, so you, you got a lot of exes in your life still. And I mean, you like you got a lot of exes in your life. Like what's really going on here? And she, she tried to convince him that, it, that, that, you know, it ain't like that. But then you go on in the DMs, going on the social media accounts and going on the things and seeing that things are actually exactly how they are and probably a whole lot worse. And and so he, you know, asked her the question, like, why have you been hiding all this stuff from me? And, you know, her insecurities kicking in. She don't know how to really answer the question. So in talking to me, I told him what you need what we need to do is probably come to counseling together so that she has a safe space to start revealing some of that stuff. Because it may very well be the case that she is so afraid of losing you that she has been unwilling to share everything about herself. Because in a fear of rejection, she feels that if she tells you everything and shows you everyone and tells you why she's having a hard time letting letting them go, then she's going to lose you. As a matter of fact, his opening line was, I found out that she was actually dating me and two other people at the same time. And talking about in love with these people as she was dating me. That was the first red flag should have got out then. But, you know, my dumb self stayed in. And so, again, you know, her not revealing... These things to him, he felt like his choice had been taken away from him, you know, because he found out much, much later. And, and then again, even with the yeah, he found out about the other two people that she was in love with much later in their relationship. Um, and so again, this this idea, they, they, he didn't know what was going on, and because he didn't know what was going on, he felt like his choice was taken away from him. So I told him, you know, that sounds like a conversation the two of you need to have together, where she tells you everything and she has to risk rejection in order to see whether or not everything that she's done and every person she's been around you know is, is, is whether you know she can tell you those things and if she can tell you why she can't let them go because that is the key to it all in their situation. Because it's not the fact that you've been around with a whole lot of people. All of us have a past to one degree or another. But the question is, why are you holding on to these people so tightly? In the kingdom, transparency, vulnerability, honesty, truth is what we as light dwellers should revel in. We expose the darkness by dragging it into the light. In the book Recovering Redemption by Matt Chandler, he tells us us these things. He tells us, uh, one second, after seeing your sin and sorrowing over your sin, the worst thing you can do is to try stuffing your sin. Hoping nobody ever finds out who you really are. Turns out, the best way to avoid being found out a fake is just not to be one. To be open with people about your struggles, while being equally as open in your praise of God for what he's making of you, despite your many messes and problems. This is where the church comes in so beautifully because it gets us around people who can help us carry the nagging issues of our hearts. People to whom we can confess our battles with sin and confess our need for a savior while we're doing the same for them. When the only person that truly knows all about us is the person who uses our hairbrush, we are easy pickings for the enemy. Ripe for being outmaneuvered and outsmarted. That's how we remain slaves to our repeated failures, by basically resisting the redeeming love of God and the needing, encouraging support of others. Because even if we're as much as 99% known, or much less as often is the case, to our spouse, our friends, our family, and the people around us, we are still not fully known. We're still hiding out. We're still covering up. We don't want them to know everything. But true sorrow over sin begs to be vented both vertically to God and horizontally to others. So mark this down. You have no shot at experiencing real life in real change in life if you're habitually protecting your image, hyping your spiritual brand, and putting out the vibe that you're a lot more unfazed by temptation than the reality you know and live would suggest. Even Satan himself cannot succeed at clobbering you with condemnation when the stuff he's accusing you of of accusing you of doing is the same stuff you've been honestly admitting before God and others and trusting the Lord for his help with. That's some of the best action you can take against the sin in your life. That's responsible repentance. And for a backdrop to that, I turn to 2 Corinthians, and I believe it's in chapter 6. No, it's chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number uh, number 9. Starting at verse number 9. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see. And so what is he saying there? Whenever we are, you know, challenged to reveal the stuff that we're dealing with on the inside, it's going to cause some grief. We're going to feel some tension. We're going to feel some hurt. We're going to feel some pain. We've all been there. Whenever we did something wrong, we got to go tell the person that, we, what, that what we did was wrong. And you feel that little sting in your chest, little sting in your pain. It hurts. That's a hurtful thing to have to go up to somebody and say, I'm sorry, or to say that I messed up, or to say that I did something wrong. And yet, God says that in order for us to be able to move forward, not only should we be apologized for what we did wrong, but we also got to get to the root of what's going on there that brought it up to begin with. And that requires confession. Confession is a good work that glorifies God. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find it. Um in first um I think this is first John. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you, God. You're awesome. Because he says, First John chapter one, verse number eight. No, no, no I'm no, I'm gonna start at verse number five. Start verse number five. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. What I just say, we are light dwellers, right? so we're literally walking in the light which means anything that's dark we got to drag it with us into the light so it can be exposed if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin if we say we have no sin We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. What did I just say? We got to walk in truth. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So again, if we say we love God, we say we love the truth. And if we say we love the truth, we got to tell the truth. We got to speak the truth. We got to live the truth. We got to walk in the truth. And sometimes for us, we don't want to do that work. Because if we walk in the truth, that means we are exposed. And we want to hide. We don't want anybody to know what's really going on with us on the inside. We don't want anybody to really know what's going on underneath. We don't really want everybody to know how we're really feeling about stuff. We want we we want to be to be not known. We don't want folk to know what's really going on under underneath the shell. And sometimes we go so far as to not tell our spouses. We don't tell our children. We don't tell our parents. We don't tell our friends. We don't tell our bosses. We don't tell nobody what's going on with us. I had a phone call from my boss on um, on Monday. I think it was Monday. My boss called me. Um, the jobs that I work, you know, sometimes you know, when when kids have things going on or whatever, I have to move my schedule around. So that means I have to cancel some appointments, move some things around. And usually those same clients that are canceled, they will reschedule themselves accordingly. So I wasn't thinking nothing of it. But month after month, I'm getting these notifications. Hey, you had a 13% cancellation rate on your part, a 15% cancellation rate on your part, and on and on. So again, I'm thinking nothing of it because it is what it is. But I get the phone call. And in the phone call, the lady asked me, she's like, you know, so, you know, these things come up to us and things, and so just wanting to have a conversation with you, figure out what's going on. And so I could have easily have said something along the lines of, you know, well, you know, things just happened, and, you know, I just had to hit the cancel button. But no, I ain't going to lie about it. For what? Let the truth be put out there. I got kids, man. And I got kids in band. Kids get sick. My wife can't get off work because she, she got kids and she can't just come out of class like that and leave the kids with nothing to do because the para-pro can only do so much. So it's on me. And I and, and I wear that with a badge of pride, Nicole. You know, we here. I wear that with a badge of pride. So I got to move stuff around. You know, I, I, I got kids. What you want me to say? And so, you know, by me expressing the truth, I got kids. I don't know what to do. She came, she came to me and helped me to devise a plan on how to minimize the cancellation rates while still honoring being a father to my children and being a husband to my wife. And in doing that, we were able to come together on how to solve it. But had I kept that close to the chest and be like, you know, man, you know, just sometimes I just, you know, just want to cancel stuff and, 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 and things, conversation could have gone a whole different direction. Whole different course. If I would have tried to try to clean things up, I'm just—I'm so sorry. I, I won't let it happen again. I won't let it happen again. I'm so sorry. You know, I'll just, I just—I just won't let it happen again. Then we couldn't have had that moment where it's like, okay, here's how we let's let's talk about how we can fix this. I'll talk about how we can make this right. Because again, the root issue—I got kids. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell you. you no, know? I don't know. In the way the system's set up. You know, we gotta set these things, schedule these things so far out in advance. I can't predict when a kid's gonna get sick. I can't predict when band's gonna say, Oh, yeah, you got another rehearsal. I, we can't predict these things. You know, so you know, we try to move and move and shake how we can. So again, we devise a strategy how to fix that. Trivial example, but it goes to show what happens when we are wrong or when we're in the or when we're in the wrong that we have to confess our faults one to another. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make come a liar and his word is not in us. And so what we are able to do, we are able to figure out how we get to the roots he gives us a body of believers. And again, body of believers is corporate as well as the, the few, a few good two or three brothers or sisters that you can be open, honest, transparent, confessing faults one to another, sharing our issues, bearing one another, bur- one another's burdens, all those one another's in the New, in the new um, Testament. All of those are a means for us to be able to share our burdens one with another, being honest and open with one another so that we can pray for one another, uplift one another, walk through life with one another. And in doing so, we no longer have to hide behind the shadows of our sins, hide behind the shadows of our issues, hide behind the shadows of our problems. And in doing so, we can live fully known, much like how Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. We can live that way in the spirit where we're able to say, this is me. I'm not perfect, but I serve a living God who has forgiven me all of my sins, past, present, and future, and is sanctifying me. And if he can sanctify me and clean me up, then he can sanctify you and clean you up and we can walk through that journey together. We don't have to do it by ourselves. We don't have to do it on our own. We obviously don't do it alone because we got a Holy Spirit living in us. But we also have the Holy Spirit that's living in you. That's living in you. That's living in you. That's living in you. And we can come together and strengthen and encourage one another. For one person can chase down, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, I, I think it's one can chase down. A, a, thou, a thousand, or and then two can chase down ten thousand. I can't remember what the what the verses are specifically, but it's saying you know as we band together, we can do a whole lot more. The ironic thing about what we find in our social media age, everybody's looking for community. Church is not just talking about a five hundred one c three organization that we that we roll up in on a Sunday and do some worship and go home church's community it's and it should be a space where again again two or three of us it ain't got to be 15 20 30,000, 30, two or three of us can come together regularly and talk about our issues and talk about our problems talk about the things that are going on so that we are constantly exposing the darkness to the light be able to talk about our issues with our spouses Talk to our, talk to you know our people, talk to our best friends about our issues. Talk to our parents about our struggles, so that we can openly confess our faults one to another, and in doing so, drag the darkness into the light. Take these things to the altar, slay them at the altar, and continue fighting the good fight of faith as we delight ourselves in God and put sin to death in the constant tension that we live in in this world. We, the people of God, are in the in the best position possible having our, our relationship in Christ eternally secure. I'm not worried about whether or not I'm going to hell or not, you know, because Christ has already secured that for me. So I ain't worried about that. So I can confess my faults and flaws openly. Yeah, it may hurt to do so, but I'm, I'm, my, 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 um, my, my joy in God and my relationship with God and my position in God is eternally secure. Upon repentance and belief, it's eternally secure. So I can confess my faults and confess my flaws and say, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting in this area or I need help in this area or I just need to vent about this thing so that I can then continue to walk in the freedom that Christ has afforded me. If I have no secrets, if I can be transparent, open, and honest about everything going on, then I have nothing to hide, nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. I can I can confess this to you guys. Like, it brought me such joy. It brings me such joy. And I know, fellas and ladies, think I want y'all to think about this. It brings my heart so much joy that I can give my wife my cell phone. And let her go ha- let her go ham on it. Because I have nothing to hide. Can you honestly say that? That I can give my spouse my cell phone. And she ain't got to worry about a thing. He ain't got to worry about a thing. What sweet relief to know. There are no secrets. Because if there's no secrets, that means I'm fully known in my relationship. And as Jesus knows us more than anybody else in this in, in, in this world, it frees us up to be known by our people. They'll never know our hearts 100%, but they'll know enough and we should be open whatever you need whatever you need to know whatever you need to say whatever you need to say here it is no secrets nothing to hide because at the end of the day if we are walking in the light then we should be light dwellers and walk in that light as the light exposes the darkness and allows us the ability to be able to share see and know. When it says taste and see that the Lord is good, one of the things that we taste and see is open confession. That godly grief that leads to repentance. It's a beautiful thing when we can put our lives in the hands of the master, he can show us the roots, pull those roots out, and replace it with more of his truth, his love, his wisdom, his grace, his knowledge, his forgiveness, his kindness. So if you want to revel in the peace of God you want to live in the light we encourage you speak the truth for as scripture tells us the truth shall make us free even if we're incarcerated as I said to y'all before, I'm gonna keep saying it because it's just it's just a it's a bomb Jim. You can be free in your soul while incarcerated. And it'd be so much better than being free in this world, but your soul be forever shackled. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly, thank you guys for the 3,700 likes that we've received thus far. Keep those likes coming if you so desire. Thank you for every like, comment, follow, and share. If you've missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go right now to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and listen to every episode of the True Gospel Morning Show from inception to now. I'm certainly grateful. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a millionaire who left his entire fortune to his hometown and the implications and impacts that will happen as a result of um of him doing that. And thank you so much. We'll be right back in just a moment. with your boy Eddie D. right here on TikTok Live. We're see Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thank you for the 3,700 likes that we've received thus far. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day in the name of the Lord. Uh, we're in the final um, half hour of our show. Um, we had a millionaire by the name of Jeffrey Holt um, who uh, leaves a tiny New Hampshire hometown his entire fortune. Um, we'll try to skim through it because they, they basically did a whole profile on this man. Um, Jeffrey Holt was unassuming as the the caretaker of a mobile home park in Hinsdale, New Hampshire, where he lived a simple, though curious life. Residents would see Holt around town in thoroughbred clothes, riding his lawnmower, heading to the convenience store, parked alongside the main road, reading the newspaper, watching cars, pass by. He did odd jobs for others, but rarely left town. Despite having taught drivers at the high schoolers, Holt had given up driving a car. He opted for a bicycle instead, and finally the mower. His mobile home in the park was mostly of empty, empty of furniture. No TV and no computer either. The legs of the bed went through the floor. He seemed to have what he wanted, but he didn't want much. But Holt died earlier this year with a secret. He was a millionaire, and what's more, he gave it all away to his community of 4,200 people. Uh, his His will had brief instructions. million to the town of Hensdale to benefit the community in the areas of education, health, recreation, and culture. Quote, I don't think anyone had any idea that he was that successful, said Steve Diorno. I know he didn't have a whole lot of family, but nonetheless, to leave it to the town where he lived in, it's a tremendous gift. The money could go far in this Connecticut River town sandwiched between Vermont and Massachusetts with its abundant hiking and fishing opportunities and small businesses. It's named for Ebenezer Hensdale, an officer in the French and Indian Wars who built a fort and a grist mill. In addition to Hensdale's house, built in 1759, the town has the nation's oldest continually operating post office dating back to 1816. There has been no formal gathering to discuss the ideas for the money since local officials were notified in September. Some residents have proposed upgrading the town hall clock, restoring buildings, maybe buying a new ballot counting machine in honor of Holt, who always made sure he voted. Another possibility is setting up an online driver's ed course. Organizations would be able to apply for grants via a trust through the New Hampshire Charitable Foundation, drawing from the interest roughly about $150,000 annually. Hensdale will utilize the money, very left very frugally as Mr. Holt did. Uh, let's see, he um, Holt, who died in age 82, had varied interests like collecting hundreds of model cars and trains and sets that filled his room, covered the couch, and extended into a shed. He also collected books about history, with Henry Ford and World War II among his favorite topics. Um, uh, Holt. Earlier in his life, he worked as production manager at a grain mill that closed in nearby Brattleboro, Vermont, had invested his money. Holt would find a quiet place to sit near brook and study financial publications. Holt confided in to his best friend, Mr. Smith, that his investments were doing better than he had ever expected and wasn't sure what to do with the money, and Smith suggested that he remember the town. Um, so... Um it says a whole lot more like I said they did a whole um pro- did a whole whole um did a profile um, and so really grateful that he um, you know was willing to give up his entire inheritance um to the city. um we often again talk about how people you know who have a whole lot of money don't do a whole lot with it as far as we can see. but again, People are doing a lot of great things if you just know how to look. And this man was living a simple life. Nobody would have ever known he was a millionaire. Nobody would have ever known that he had millions sitting on, sitting on millions sitting on I me, mean, stacks on stacks on stacks. And his desire was to give this entire town that he had lived in, that lived in, had treated him well, um, he gave it back to them to invest in the city. Um, and as a result of that, you know, they're going to try to do some things and try to make things pop off uh, for their city. And so it reminds us that there are some really good people in this world that are doing a lot of great things. Yeah, there's a lot of problems in the world, obviously. And a lot of, you know, our media is going to do what they do to remind us of all the bullcrap that's going on in this world. But if we know how to look, there's a lot of good stuff happening, too i say it like this. Jesus said it himself. No man knows the day nor the hour when he's coming back. We sometimes, as believers, can get so caught up in, oh my God, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. Dude, what are you doing? You're just going to sit by and, and do nothing? I'm sit by and do absolutely nothing. I'm just waiting on Jesus to come back because apparently the end times is coming. We don't know when it's coming. Things look bleak, yes, but there's a lot of beautiful things happening in the world, too, if you just know how to look. As my wife told me years ago, stop watching CNN all the time, man. You're depressed because of what's going on in the world. Stop that. You're missing all this beautiful stuff going on in your life because you're sitting there watching CNN and thinking the world's coming to an end. The world ain't coming to an end yet. And She was right. The world's not coming to an end yet. It's, it's devolving no doubt, but the world hasn't come to an end yet, and there's still a lot of great people that are doing a lot of great things, and they can be an inspiration to us if we just know how to look. Because, again, the greatest thing that's ever going to happen to us is being saved. No doubt about that. No question. So if, if God could allow that to happen for us, then why can't we be his hands and feet and be the difference in other people's lives? You're not seeing anything good going on in your life. What are you doing? What can you do? Ain't got to be nothing as lavish as $3.8 million going to a city. But just like we said in in, um, two segments ago, you can can give somebody a couple dollars. Go get them a hamburger from McDonald's and say, here, man. Go get them a Snicker bar from Walmart. Here you go. Do something. We can all do something. You can't see the good, be the good, and so again we 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 hype up and we celebrate. Um, you know, um, Jeffrey Holt today, we, we 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 praise God for him on today. Here's our something praiseworthy today um, for living a simple life, being frugal with his money. Getting, doing what he needed to do for his own life and being content with his life and when it's all said and done giving all his spoils away because that is what God has lavishly done for us he gave everything away for us and if he could do that for us when he died on the cross and rose again how much more should our hands be wide open How much more should we be willing to give of ourselves so that someone else can be blessed? Someone else can be, you know, um, can be redeemed. Someone else can be satisfied. Like we, we we are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And in doing so, give ourselves the opportunity to be able to give whatever it is that we have in excess away. For as it says in second Corinthians chapters eight and um, uh, eight and nine of uh yeah eight and nine um we should be such to where we are willing and able to give what we have so that no one is lacking and so we can be the hands and feet of Jesus that are able to go out and help others in every way, shape and form that we that God has equipped us to do may not be giving $50 million away, but there's something that we can do to be the difference in someone else's life. And so let us look to his example. And if we have it to give, let us give with, um, with, with, with love and give with grace so that someone else can benefit from the, from the Spirit of God that, that resides in us and us being the hands and feet of the cross. You guys are watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy ADD right here on TikTok Live with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Going to run through some questions um, that were put in the chat box um, um, between yesterday and today. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to drop down in that comment box right now and ask any question or concern that you may have. Um, and as we go throughout the um, the remainder of this segment, we got 17 minutes for the show's got to go. Um, We happy to answer any and all questions that you have. Keep in mind, this is rapid fire. So we're not going to do some deep dive into the scriptures to try to answer questions. I'm just going to rapid fire as the spirit gives utterance. And so if you want a deeper dive, you, you can DM me and we can go deep or, you know, it may just show up in a future episode of the True Gospel Morning Show. Just keep that in mind. But if you have any question, comment, or concern, feel free to drop down in that box right now and drop your questions in. And we're gonna to try to answer them in the next 16 minutes. Somebody asked a question yesterday. Um uh, pray um so someone said to me that I pray through my if I'm praying through my mind and not through my heart, it is wrong. Um, what are your thoughts? Um God doesn't care whether you're praying in your mind praying in your heart, praying with your mouth, God doesn't care. God sees all, God knows all. What God is more interested in is you having a conversation with him. God is spirit. So God is not, he's He's not like you and me where we require dialogue in order to know what you're saying. God already knows your thoughts. He already knows your heart. He already knows your emotions. He already knows your intentions. And so prayer um, can happen any way, shape, or form. You know, as 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 you know, as the spirit gives utterance. And so, so whoever told you that praying in your mind and not with your mouth is wrong was wrong. It's about your intent. Keep in mind, prayer is not some magic formula of rubbing a lamp to get God to get you to do to get God to do things you want him to do. It is conversation. It is connecting with him. Sometimes you're in a space where you're not able to talk with your mouth and use words. You may be in the middle of a boardroom where everybody's having—they're talking about boardroom stuff. And you need to get a prayer through to Jesus. Pray right there. You ain't got to close your eyes. You ain't got to bow your head. It's a, it's a heart posture. So pray right there. I've been praying throughout the whole show, you know, every in my, my my in my soul praying. You know, God, give me the words to say, give me words to say, give me words to say. But I'm not gonna sit there and say that the whole time. God, give me the words to say, give me the words to say. It's gonna be two hours of God, give me the words to say. That's not gonna be productive. And so again, you know, it's a heart posture. It's a heart's posture. There will be times where you will need to speak as the Spirit gives utterance to speak. There will be times where you will need to be quiet. And pray from within. But God is not interested in the method as much as he is the content of what you're saying. And the intention behind your content. So again, be mindful. Prayer isn't some magic formula that we got to do in a specific way in order to get him to hear us. God sees all, knows all, hears all, and already knows he just wants you to talk to him. So don't be afraid to talk to him. Because that's the whole point of having a relationship with him. Well, one of the points anyway. So that we can go to him and him alone. Without having to go to the priest, without having to go, you know, get, you know, prayer cloths and beads and all that type of stuff. We just go to the man right now. And so again, that is what that's what prayer is about. So again, don't be don't be afraid to commune with God wherever you are in whatever position you're in. Somebody um said yesterday, there are 38,000 denominations. You know, why would God allow that to happen? Um, there are 38,000 denominations because there are, there, there are 38,000 methods of worship. No one denomination is better than the other. Provided that the foundation of that denomination is Jesus. If the foundation ain't Jesus, if Jesus is not the bedrock of that denomination, then that denomination is not a denomination of Christianity. The foundation of that denomination has to be Jesus and him crucified. And even in that, you have to be careful, because the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ has to be right above Jesus. You got Jesus, and then the gospel, because you have some, you got some churches out here who are wilding right now, and they believe in Jesus, but they believe in a whole lot of other stuff too. And so, we have to be careful. Like, but again. Denominations are just methods of worship. That's all they are, just methods of worship. So people ask me sometimes, "Are you Baptist? Are you Catholic? Are you?" I'm I'm am I'm, I'm I'm Jesus follower. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you evangelical? I'm a follower of Jesus. I follow the way. I follow the way. I follow the way. I'm, I'm not. Now, I don't claim a denomination. For to claim a denomination has the potential to make the denomination more important than Jesus. What did we say before? These methods of worship should always point us to the Savior, not to self, not to agenda, but to the Savior. Got a lot of churches now that are so agenda oriented. That they are twisting the word of God and making it sound really good to appease to a certain population of people. For example, you have some churches now who are claiming that God is a she. And they are wrapping their entire ministry around that point. As a result of that, they are twisting the scriptures. Not that God is gendered, but that God has told us how He chooses to be addressed. And as a result of that, if we can say, "Well, God is a she to me," then what else can we say about the Scriptures, to me? Right. So again, we got to be careful that the, that the whatever denomination we're we're gonna we're gonna you know fall up under, that the bedrock of that denomination is Jesus. It is Jesus. Because at the end of the day, he is all that matters. And so the denomination, just a method of worship, that method of worship should always point to the Savior. Miru H. asks, if he knows everything from the time we're born until the time we die, what is the purpose? Um, so, yes, he knows everything from from in 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 a, in in a time thing, but it's not that simple. It's just he knows everything from beginning to end. The knowledge that God has of us is more than just linear time. It's about a knowing of who we are. This is the example I give. My wife was putting on shoes one day. She put on one pair that was for the and put one the left foot of one pair and the right foot another of another pair. And she came to me and she said, I already know what you're going to say, but tell me which one you pick. And I looked at the shoes and I picked the left foot. And she said to me, I knew you were going to pick that. My wife knows me so well that she's able to predict more than likely what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say, how I'm going to feel about a wide range of topics. Because she knows me to where now she can kind of predict what I'm going to do. God's knowledge of us is infinite to where He knows everything we're going to do because He knows us. So again, it's not about a linear timeline of knowledge, even though God does know everything in that way, but it's about a knowledge of us as in, as in terms of intimacy. He knows me so well that he can finish my sentences. You see what I'm saying? And so his knowledge of us is such to where he can predict what we're going to do because he knows us on an infinite level. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us, everything about us. And his knowledge of us is so vast that we can't capture it. That David himself said, what is man that you are mindful of him? Because his knowledge of us is so infinite. So again, it's not about linear time. It's about an intimate depth of knowing who we are. And because he knows us so well, he can predict what we're going to do. And that is something that we can marvel at. Because just like my wife knew what, what shoe I was going to pick, God knows everything I'm going to do because he knows me. He knows me. <laughs> Kijuan's Event Decor asked the question, what's your take on the use of stones for healing of physical, mental, and emotional? Um, I don't believe in stones. I mean, that's just that's just it. I don't believe in stones. Um, in terms of like, you know, praying to them, you know, as if there's some magical incantation. Now, I will say, minerals are used in medication. Because again, where does medication come from? Compounds. What are compounds made of? Minerals. Where do minerals come from? The earth. So, you know there are some, you know, prints. There are some, you know, some, 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 some practicalities to stones for healing and things of that nature. But there's no power, spiritual power, in the stones, in the rocks, in the crystals. There's no spirit. And and what people tend to do is they take these 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 these, these earthly things and turn them into deity. I don't believe in that. I'm not taking a crystal out and rubbing it so I can get some peace in my in my mind, you know? No, I'm not doing that, you know? Now, if there's some scientific evidence that if I take this quartz and rub it against my head, it'll cure my headache, then I'll take the quartz and rub it up against my head, but I'm not doing that and saying, oh, thank you, quartz, full of grace, mercy, and truth. No, I'm gonna... It it says it helps with headaches, so I'm gonna rub it up against my head. Just like Alka Seltzer helps with, you know, indigestion and upset stomach, just like a leaf helps with headaches. But I'm not putting my trust, my absolute trust, in these things as if these things are the thing that's going to cure me of the spiritual dilemmas of my soul. That is reserved for God. You know, again, people want something to believe in. And because they don't want to believe in God, they're going to put their belief in a rock. In a created thing. And Romans chapter 1 speaks on this. That they exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship creation rather than creator. People do it all the time. I don't want to believe in God because I can't believe God would do this or, you know, if God was so good, blah, blah, blah. So they put their trust in a rock. Something tangible, something they can hold, something that they can control rather than put their hands in a God that they have to relinquish control to, among other things. Somebody asked a question yesterday. Um... How do you pray and how do you rest when you're tired of waiting on the Lord for directions? Sometimes God just wants you to make a choice. What are you waiting on God for? Sometimes you are get presented with options, and these options are equally good. Just make a decision. Sometimes you can pray yourself out of a decision. Waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord. Lord, I don't know what you're waiting on me for. Make a decision. A or B, left or right, up or down, California or Florida, make up your mind. Do it and live with the consequences. Sometimes we're so afraid of making the wrong choice that we make no choice, which is a far worse choice. God says, you prayed enough, you, you, you done enough, you know, both the decisions are, you know, are going to come with consequences. Make a decision and live with it. And if you find out that you're wrong, if the if there's other options still available, go and make that decision. But if not, you know, we, li- we live and we move on. It's not, a, not an indictment on your soul. Your soul is still anchored in Jesus whether you make the right choice or not. Just make a decision. Stop looking for signs. Jesus is the sign. He died on the cross and rose again. It's all the sign you need. Make a decision. Sometimes we are so gripped with fear of making the wrong choice that we make no choice. Make a decision. Make a decision. That's all you got to do. Make a choice. Make a choice. You're going to be all right. Thank you guys so much for watching the True Gospel Morning Show with me on this morning. I really appreciate y'all so, so much. Thank you for the 3,700 likes that we have received today. Thank you for, you know, your time, your attention. Thank you for the comments on today. Again, if you missed any part of this message or would like to hear past episodes, you can go to um, the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and hit that subscribe button. I appreciate y'all so, so much from the bottom of my heart. I thank y'all for watching the True Gospel Morning Show with me today. As always... If you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.